Amen. Amen. Go ahead, have a seat. Again, if you're here for the first, second, or third time, uh, you've got that connection card. You do not need to get that filled out in the .2 seconds that you have between now and when the basket hits you. Uh, as we head out today and you leave through the entryway, there will be uh, a table on your left with some really nice people and some nice gifts for you because you've made this place matter to you, and we want to show you that you matter to us uh, long before today. So uh, today we're continuing our series, Thousands of Years at War, and what we looked at last week was that we have been in invited in to sit with God in victory. He doesn't say earn it. He doesn't say make it right. He doesn't say go back and fix every area of your life where you screwed up. He said, let me do that. I'm the victory. I'm the one who took on sin, death, and the devil, and I won. And so now I invite you into this to come sit with me. You no longer have to live a life of convincing God to love us. Instead, we get to be the gracious, glad recipients, grace-filled, glad recipients of the love of God. And so we sit with God in victory. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to go from that idea of sitting to an idea of walking. And at the end of the service, we've got this can up here because some of us are going to walk the trash out. Uh, we're going to take air areas of our lives that we want to be done with. We don't want to walk in them anymore. We're going to stick them in the trash can and we're going to pick up new areas on our way out. So all this comes from Ephesians 4. We've been in the book of, the Ephesians, of Ephesians last week and next week and today we're in chapter 4. You can go to verse 1 in your Bible or your app uh, and whatever, however you want to get there. Uh, and what we're going to see today is that since we sit with Jesus in unconditional love, which is what we talked about last week, unconditional. Well, God, what if unconditional? You don't know my past, unconditional. You don't know the thoughts I have. Un means un, like unconditional. God invites us into a relationship with him. We say yes to that, and we bring everything we are to God. And God works out the, the nasty from the not nasty from there. Since we sit with Jesus in unconditional love, we walk out our new life in humility. We walk out in new humility. We're moving from sitting with Jesus to walking out this new life in humility. And, and how does this go from, how does this work? Because we used to be sitting and nothing was, was up to us. We just react to what God has done for us. How do we start walking? Doesn't that sound like we're starting to pay for our own salvation? No, no, no. It's like a car, all right? You don't do any of the work, the physical work, for you to go 65 on the freeway. You sit there and you push a button and you let the car's power take you. What we're going to look at today, we're going to look at five areas of our lives where we're giving power over to God. We're saying, God, I want to go to the place that you have for me in this area of my life. I don't want to live my way anymore. I'm going to throw that away. I'm taking on what you have for me. But the thing is, is not a single one of us is able to do that on our own power. It's where God's power comes in on our benefit, where God looks at us and sees the same thing that we do, that we're kind of weak and we need some help. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you the power you need. You're going to walk into your new identity because of how strong God is and how merciful and powerful and gracious God is on our behalf and for our benefit. And through that, God knows that we're going to be walking one way and still living in other areas. And instead of God saying, get out of here, you're a hypocrite, I can't stand you, he says, bring all of it to me. Let me have all of it. And we're stepping into our new identity as sons and daughters who are loved, chosen, and being made holy by God while we still have areas where we're still working on. And God says, that's good. I want you to give everything over to me. Live a life worthy of your calling. And God knows with all of us that that's got some conditions. Nonetheless, he's saying, I'm calling you into what's new. I'm calling you into something fresh with me. 
My, my son is four years old. We've got uh, Eden, who's 10. We've got Ellie, who's eight. And we've got Micah, who's four. Uh, and yesterday, Micah made the jump uh, from crib life to bed life. We've got a picture that'll pop up on the screen. Uh, he looks like a jelly bean on a newspaper in that thing, really. Okay, like he's not going to fill up that bed anytime soon. He will faster than I'm ready for as his dad and him being uh, our youngest and final kid. Uh, but he does not look like he fills up that bed right now. Not whatsoever. He's the little bug there at the top, the little bump in the quilt. But that's his reality. This is where he sleeps now. He slept great in there last night. He woke up in there happy this morning. And there are still areas of his life that are not fully graduated into bed life. Uh, he's a little boy. He's learning a lot about his body and, and body parts. And we've had a few conversations with him about what words and what body parts you do not talk about at the dinner table. You have a butt. That's great. We don't want to hear about it while we're eating dinner. So the rule is that if you're going to talk about potty things, the only place you can talk about it is in the bathroom. So he goes to the bathroom a couple days ago. Uh, and when he's done, he just screams for one of us to come pick him up. So, uh, or come help him out, like clean up, get everything everything back in order uh, because we have guests living with us. Benny and Franzi are living with us and Micah knows that they shouldn't see him naked and he's very particular about that. So, uh, so he screams and I come in and I get him cleaned up. I'm washing my hands. I go to leave and he's still in the bathroom. He says, dad, come here. Like, okay, what? Come into the bathroom because now I can use potty words if we're in the bathroom. <laughs> so I step in and he gets his grin and he says, poo-poo airplane. Because that, that, that's, that's him. He's in the bed life, but there are still some areas of his life that are definitely not graduated from the crib. And God says, I want you to take all of those, bring them to me, and I'm going to give you a new way to live. It's for us individually, and for it's, it's for us corporately. God's calling every area of, of our life into a place where it's honoring God with everything. Ephesians 4, 1 through 5, this is our identity individually and our identity corporately. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He's a guy who used to hate Christians until he became a Christian. So if you're here today and you're a little bit skeptic about what goes on here, you've got your perfect person writing the scripture that we're going to read today. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. That's what we're supposed to do individually. He's saying live a life worthy of the God who sent Jesus for you. And now together as a body, it says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. Paul's saying, don't go back to your old ways. Keep sitting with God. And as you sit with God, you're going to be led into a new life, a new way of doing things. Because the least helpful thing for us as a Christian who wants to see people who aren't yet Christians become Christians is to worship a God who has forgiven us and completely changed our identity and our future and then have no result of that in everything else that we do in life. That our lives look like there is no difference from before Jesus to after Jesus. He's saying that should never be part of what goes on, what happens with us. As a result, Paul is saying God wants to give you a new identity and new actions. And walking in that is going to require humility. Walking in that says, God, this is the way that I've done things for years. This is my identity. This is how I've done all these things. But I'm giving that over to you. 
I'm letting you take control now. I'm going to take on new ways of doing things, new challenges, new motivations. God, I'm taking on your life instead of mine, and that's going to take humility. And I think we all agree that that's a good thing. Okay, I don't know if I don't know about you, but in my life, there are not many good things that have happened because of pride and arrogance. Right? It's always the opposite. There are bad things that have happened because I am proud and arrogant, and God is leading me out of that. When good things happen, it's because of humility. But but where do we want to see that happen? It's great for us to just say, yeah, let's be humble. We should all be humble, and then never specify that to anything. Uh, I've led small group Bible studies for years. And there's always a thing where we read our Bible, we, we share about what goes on, and people said, yeah, I want to be more humble, I want to resist temptation. Okay, that's awesome. Where? Let's choose one aspect, let's pray for that, let's see a difference happen this week. Where? So that's our question. This is where the trash can comes in. Where are we going to walk away from our old life? Where are we going to walk out the trash and walk into new identity? So we're going to jump ahead to 25. There are going to be five things that we're going to look at in our few remaining moments, uh, and this is going to be what we really zero in on today. Nobody has to go five for five in this and be able to walk out of here and come back next week and say, boom, I did it. I am the University of Maryland, Baltimore County who upset the number one seed in my life. I nailed it. I won in life. No, we're going to pick on one thing, and if you have no clue about college hoops, just let the last 10 seconds go by. We're going to pick one thing today. We're going to throw that out. We're going to walk into new life. So verse 25, it gives us the first thing right away. It says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. First thing we're going to walk in is we're going to tell the truth. We're not going to lie. We're not walking in lying. Humility forces us to be honest because humility forces us to admit things and admit weaknesses that we would not want to admit. There are a million reasons to lie in life. None of them lead to humility. I, when I was younger, I ran track and cross country. That's always been my thing. Uh, but I was slow from like 8th grade until 10th grade. So I would run hard and everything. Just the timer would not reflect that uh, for some reason. And so what I would do is I would lie about my times because that's what you do when you're insecure and you're 14 is you lie about everything, times included. And I thought it'd be really mo- a lot more fun to say I ran a 515 mile when I ran like a 550 mile because they sound alike and they both sound faster than most people can run. Uh, so around 10th grade, God did this really weird thing and he took all those times that I'd lied about, and he pushed me a little bit below them. It's his way of saying, you know what, I've got you. Even when you think you can make yourself bigger, I can make bigger bigness than you can make. And so it was hilarious to me to see the things that I had lied about suddenly being surpassed by reality. God is saying, stop lying. That's always going to lead you to pride and arrogance. Live in humility. For some of you this week, the thing that you're going to throw away is lying. You're going to walk away uh, with a new burden to be honest in everything, a new power of God to lead you into honesty. There are a million reasons to lie. None of them lead to humility. None of them lead to Jesus. And as we say, okay, God, I'm done lying. This week I'm telling the truth. God's going to say, I see your humility in this. I fight against the proud. I give my grace to the humble. We're going to walk in fresh humility this week around that. Second thing we walk in is is forgiveness and self-control, not anger and bitterness. Verse 26 says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If if you look at your Bible, that part, uh, don't sin by letting anger control you, that's in quotes and maybe there's a little asterisk next to it. Uh, Paul is quoting King David in Psalm 4. So if we rewind back to Psalm 4 verse 1, it says this. He says, answer me when I call to you, O God, who declares me innocent. Think about that for your life right now. God looks at you, 
and all the things that are going through your head about why we should never be declared innocent, you ask Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sins, God looks at you individually. He even knows your middle name and the first five digits of your social, not just the last four. He knows all of them. He says, that person, innocent. But God, what about, no, innocent. Innocent. God looks at you, he says that. And the thing that kills me in this, that, that, that really gives me hope and, and kind of helps me sort through squabbles and, and fights with other people, is you look at another Christian who you might not be agreeing with right now, who you might have a problem with, and he declares them innocent too. That as we live in anger and bitterness towards other people, we're living in anger and bitterness towards men and women that God has declared innocent. Does that mean that the things that have been done to you don't count? Nope. They count. But like we're going to look at next week is that we don't fight our battles against people made of flesh and blood. We fight against the unseen rulers of darkness and, and bondage and the powers of hell uh, that exist in the spiritual realm. Our job is to push the gospel of Jesus and the good news about who he is from our lives into every corner on earth imaginable so that when we run into people where we have disagreement, where there's pain, where there are things done to us that grieve the heart of God, we're not to live in anger and bitterness. We live in forgiveness. We let God do what God can do uh, in bringing about vengeance. And our job is to live in forgiveness. Our job is to say my hands are clean in this. I'm not going to let the poison of unforgiveness poison me. I'm just going to walk away from that. I'm going to live a life of forgiveness. For some of you, this is, this is going to be your reality. This is going to be what you throw away in the trash can. I'm throwing away keeping score. I'm throwing away anger. I'm throwing away bitterness. I'm going to walk out in freedom. And God's incredible kindness to us while we were far from him and we had sinned against him and we had sinned directly against God. We flip that around in our own lives and the things that we hold against people start to look really small and really petty. And what God wants to do isn't just kind of say, get over it, but he wants to minister to that pain in our lives that we carry because of things that have been done to us, things that we did not ask for, but that were done anyway. God says, let me take the pain so you stop carrying it. We can't, but Jesus can. Third thing is we walk in generosity and hard work, not stealing. Okay, for, we were looking at this, uh, our, our team, as we were talking about, what does stealing look like nowadays? Because if, if your thing is you walk into 7-Eleven, put a bunch of stuff in your pocket, and then walk out, yes, that's stealing. You should not do that. Everybody agrees with that. But what else, what does it look beyond that? Like, what's the next level of stealing? And we came up with a few things. Uh, the first one is what I'm calling skill hoarders, all right? You've got your skill. You've got your thing that you're good at, whether it's uh, an ability, whether it's just something that you've been born with, something you've developed, whatever, but you've got a skill, and God calls us to share what we have generously, whether it's financial, whether it's also ability. So we talked about this a couple minutes ago. We were talking about it for weeks. We're going to start Spanish translation. Next week is the week. I'm very excited about that, even though it kind of kept me up at night, just thinking, what are we going to do? How are we going to enough people? We're going to do it anyway. So some of you are bilingual. Some of you can speak Spanish. Some of you can translate what I'm saying, even as fast as I talk, you can translate it to Spanish quickly so that people can hear the good news of Jesus in Spanish. 
For you, I encourage you, talk to me at the end of the service. Service is going to end. I'm going to go out the back door so I can say hi to all the people in the parking lot who don't want to stay around long after service. And then I'm going to work my way back into the entryway. Find me at some point. Give me your name and your number, and we'll put you on the rotation for Spanish translation. Or just being a greeter. Somebody who can help parents get their kids checked in for kids' church and show here's where the bathrooms are, here's our info table. If you're bilingual, we've got an opportunity for you. We don't want to be a church in any way, any way. That says that's somebody else's job. I don't have to do it. Somebody else can do that. That's not in our DNA. That's not what we do. This morning when we rolled in at uh, 5.40, uh, some of us started getting here early because there was a whole stage still up here. At 6 o'clock, the doors opened. We had 10 people with drills ready to go. Uh, we took apart the stage. We had it pressed up against the wall. It's hidden back there. We got it done in 25 minutes because our DNA says if it's somebody else's job, I can already do it. Somebody else doesn't even have to show up. I'm just going to get it done right now. We walk in generosity and hard work. We don't look around and say, somebody else is going to do that. Another place that we don't steal is we don't steal from our employers, people who pay us for work. So Thursday morning, 10 o'clock, started March Madness, the basketball tournament, and now it's streaming live uh, stuff on the internet. You can watch tons and tons of games from your desktop. Uh, so that's the, that's the NCAA.com screen where you can watch all sorts of games. And that arrow up in the corner is pointing to a little thing called Boss Button. It is always on the screen. So if you're at work getting paid to sit on your butt and watch basketball uh, and your boss walks by, you can hit that button. If you hit that button, what's going to pop up? Something that looks very work-ish. All right, so they're playing into the fact that people are going to steal money from their employers, sit on their butt uh, during company time, and watch basketball because it happens enough. We don't want to be a church like that. We want to be a church that works at our jobs insanely hard because God has provided them for us, and it's a way of us giving back to God. Saying, God, you've given me this job. I'm going to work hard for it. I'm going to bless my employer who knows you or doesn't know you. We're going to be a conduit of ability and blessing. The final area is, is when we have the opportunity to, the opposite of cut corners, to expand corners, I guess, so that more of our margin goes to our employees rather to our own pocket. We want to take advantage of that. There are times where you, we cut down everything. We do it as cheaply as possible in all of our lives. There are other times where we can make changes, where we can lose a little bit so that people beneath us can be provided for better. I do not know your business, but you do. And so where those opportunities are, I encourage you, look for them. Take advantage of opportunities to bless others as God provides for you and blesses for you. Fourthly, we walk in encouragement, not gossip and abuse. Uh, verse 29, it says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And this whole thing was written to people who had no internet, who had no Facebook and social media. They spoke to each other face to face. And he's saying your words need to be encouraging. In the digital age, it removes the whole face to face thing. You can say anything you want. You can write anything you want, whether or not you voted for him or her or it or they. Okay, you can say whatever you want, and there are basically no repercussions. And so there's a, ver there's a verse in the book of Leviticus where there's lots of different things that don't fully apply to us anymore in the book of Leviticus, there's, but it really accurately describes 
on tablets what we say today on tablets. Get it? Tablet. Tablet. See? Yeah, I worked hard on that one. So Leviticus 19.16, it says this. <sighs> okay, good. Leviticus. It says, do not spread. It's the third book in your Bible. So if you've never been there before, you can go there. Leviticus. 19.16, it says, do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Okay, we know that, that you shouldn't do that. That's bad. And he gives us an, a window of what it looks like. He says, don't stand idly by while your neighbor's life is threatened. Okay, people post stuff about somebody else. They say things about other people or organizations that they would never say to them face to face. And he's saying, don't stand idly by while you post that and hit send. Don't do that. And then I am the Lord. That's God's way of saying, don't mess with me ever on this one. I'm dead serious. For us, we want our words, whether they're spoken, whether they're texted, whether they're posted, to be encouraging. This is how we walk away from our old life and walk into the life that God has for us. Because if there's anyone who could actually, like, absolutely light us up because of all the things that we think we have hidden in our life that we've done that nobody else knows about, it's God. But who is it who separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west to the point that we can never get back to it once it's been asked for forgiveness and forgiven from God? Who is it who could do that? It's God. The one person who could blow us up for every single bad thing we've ever done forgives us instead. He's saying, I want you to be people like that. I want you to walk out of gossip and verbal abuse and walk into encouragement. And then along with that, we walk in gentleness and kindness, not harsh words. It says 31, get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander. Man, and our, our new identity frees us from swearing. Our new identity frees us from words that shouldn't be said. And for every argument that says, you know what, you don't know the context because I can say these words in this context and it doesn't really matter to anyone. I mean, the, the, those words aren't the same as they are here. Okay, how about I start using those words on Sunday morning? You're going to feel really uncomfortable really quickly. And there's no difference between me and you in the sight of God. None. And so what he's saying here is, is you've got your old life. You've got your old vocabulary. You've got your old way of doing things. Give it to me. You already sit with me. Now I want you to walk out in my power. Those words, they don't need to be part of you anymore. Discouraging speech and, and abuse and gossip they don't need to be part of you. Stealing, whether it's hoarding your skills, stealing from your boss, stealing from your employees, or just not giving them everything. They don't need to be part of you anymore. Anger, bitterness, lying, no, nah, it doesn't need to be part of you anymore. We sit with God because of everything that Jesus has already done for us. He invites us into that new relationship with him, and then we walk out our new way of life on God's power. And so what we're going to do now is, is the top of your paper is fairly blank, about one-third of the way down, and there's a space for you to write in what you're walking away from this week. The calendar on the back is at the bottom, so you can rip out the top, rip out the thing that you wrote down that you're going to walk away from this week, and you can throw it away, and as you head out, you can pick up a card that says, I'm going to walk in this this week. And then it has the verse that we looked at, Ephesians 4.1, that says, I beg you, live a life worthy of your calling. This is our way as a church saying, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm done with lying. I'm done with anger and bitterness. I'm done with stealing. I'm done with gossip and abuse. I'm done with harsh words. God, I sit with you because of everything you've done for me, and I walk out my new identity by your power, not my own. 
So let's stand, let's worship and respond. If you haven't finished writing, you can keep sitting. So Jesus, we come to you today because you invited us in, because you cleared the way, you wiped out our sin, you wiped out everything that separated us from you, and you invited us into relationship with you. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to ask Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sin from the, and change you from the inside of you to the outside of you, I want to give you that chance today. You are not saying that you're perfect. You're agreeing with every other Jesus follower in this place that we're sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. So if that's you today, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, if you've never made that decision and you want to make that decision today, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand, and somebody's going to pray with you as we close today. So one, God loves you. Always has, always will. Today, he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, mine included, called sin, which pushes us away from God. And Jesus died to bring us back in a relationship with God. And three, today's your day to say that applies to me. I need that today. Is there anyone like that where today's your day to say yes to Jesus? Just look at me and raise your hand. And as we close, someone's going to pray with you. It'll be the best decision you never make. Is there anyone like that here today? All right. I encourage us as a church today. Let's take the thing we're walking away from. Let's take it where it belongs, to the trash. And let's give the God who created us and knows our weaknesses better than we ever will a chance to work in us. Pick up one of the cards here on the sides, either in front of Zach or Joe, uh, and let's apply it this week. Let's see God do something in our hearts this week as we're weak, and we need him to, because at that point, that's where he jumps in. That's where he says, I'm getting involved. I'm going to do something in this person's life, because they need me, and I see it. Let's worship and respond.